This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Texas Governor Greg Abbott in late February informed his state's Department of Family and Protective Services to review whether or not gender-affirming treatment for transgender children in his state constituted child abuse. The directive was based on a letter by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, where he expressed a non-binding opinion, suggesting that such medical treatment was tantamount to abuse. Although Abbott and Paxton's moves are not legally binding, Texas Children's Hospital has just announced it will stop hormone therapies for transgender children in response. And the families of transgender kids are understandably worried about child services separating their families. We turn out to Karen Lowy, Senior Counsel with Lambda Legal. Welcome to the program, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. So first, let's talk about what exactly this is. Some newspaper headlines are calling it an order, a directive. What exactly, uh, you know, is there in Texas law that Ken Paxton and Greg Abbott's words um, are determining? So, as you mentioned, you know, the attorney general issued a non-binding opinion about whether um, the provision of medically necessary gender affirming care to transgender youth in Texas would constitute child abuse. And he concluded that under certain circumstances, um, that would be the case. Um, regardless of the um, true medical necessity that has been universally recognized by all of the mainstream medical and mental health and pediatric um, experts um, in, in the country. Um, in issuing this, however, the governor um, instead issued a directive, basically saying in, that the department needed to, in the Department of Family and Protective Services, um, is required to investigate families who are providing this life-saving care to their children. He put mandated reporters on notice that if they fail to report families caring for their kids, that that would in fact subject them to criminal penalties. Um, and the agency said, okay, we're going to treat the provision of gender affirming care as child abuse, and we're going to begin investigating. So, you know, they, they claim that it's just an interpretation of, of what child abuse means. But the bottom line here is that this is just an incredible governmental overreach and has, you know, unilaterally changed the way Texas law operates. Um, the governor and the commissioner here have ignored not only the usual and required procedures for issuing such a new um, approach to um, investigations of child abuse, but they've also ignored, as I said, the overwhelming consensus of medical and child welfare experts who know that gender affirming care is the opposite of child abuse. It is medically necessary and it saves lives. Texas seems to be finding all sorts of innovative legal ways to impact the rights of, of uh, basically of minorities, uh, gender minorities, of women, uh, as is done with its abortion law, um, and now, of course, transgender children. So 
for parents of transgender children who are trying to do the right thing by their children, what does this mean right now? What is the position that they're being put in? Are they having to choose between, you know, helping their children or potentially being separated from their children by Child Protective Services? Well, we know that the department has, in fact, begun investigating families, um, aside from our own clients. Um, we are continuing to hear from folks across the state who um, have been contacted by DFPS solely because their children are transgender and they are looking into whether they have provided their children with the recommended care for their children's gender dysphoria. So there is just, you know, an incredible sense of fear among families with transgender youth across the state because the agency has sprung into action and is carrying out the directive. Tell me what Lambda Legal, uh, I understand, along with the ACLU has done in response so far to what uh, Governor Abbott has done. Sure. So um, we filed suit um, because on behalf of both a family who um, is currently facing investigation, one of the parents of this family um, actually works for the FPS and Mm -hmm. in asking her supervisor what this directive actually means, um, they basically begun and began an investigation of her family and put her on administrative leave um, as a result. Because if you are working for DFPS, you cannot um, actually be under investigation and stay in carrying out your functions for the agency. We also filed on behalf of Dr. Megan Mooney, who is a mandatory reporter Um, who cares for many, many children with gender dysphoria because this directive puts her in the position of either reporting her clients and their families um, for, um, for providing the care that is actually recommended for them. Um, or facing criminal penalties. So her choice here is between criminal penalties or violating her medical ethics, her her responsibility to her patients. So we filed suit um, last week um, and had a hearing um, before the judge um, seeking a temporary restraining order. The court did issue that temporary restraining order as to our clients and has scheduled a hearing on a more broad temporary injunction for this coming Friday on the 11th. For those who might not be aware of the medical necessity, because they you know, are, happen to not have any transgender people in their lives or parents with trans kids in their lives, how important is it for people to have access to this treatment for the physical and the mental health, particularly of the children involved? That's such a great question. And the, and the short answer is that it can be life-saving. You know, just because someone is transgender doesn't necessarily mean that they have gender dysphoria. But for kids who experience gender dysphoria, meaning that they experience deep clinical distress because of the disconnect between their gender identity and the sex that they were assigned at birth and the aspects of their physical presentation that may not accord with 
um, with their gender identity. The, the goal of gender affirming care is to alleviate that distress. It is absolutely recognized. For many, many youth, what that means is something called puberty blockers. Because if you are going through the puberty of the sex you were assigned at birth, that can be incredibly traumatic for youth um, when it just does not match their gender identity and their sense of who they are. So puberty blockers hit pause on, on that puberty to help, this, help the youth express who they are and live in their lived identity without having to experience the physical developments that come with endogenous puberty. And all of this um, is and science-based, right? Just It is all incredibly science-based. Every major medical and mental health and child welfare organization um, across the country has recognized that this is the appropriate course of care for a child, a youth with gender dysphoria. Um, and it is absolutely the consensus is that this is medically necessary for these for these youth. So here we have a situation where uh, parents are being put into an incredibly difficult situation. Uh, officials are, you know, who are involved with child protective services are being put into an incredibly difficult position. Is this all basically yet another series of Republican point scoring to to try to? you know, open up or continue, I should say, another front in the in the culture wars. I mean, it just it's playing with people's lives, as has been done with the abortion issue um, and critical race theory, et cetera. And but this, you know, we're talking about children here. I think that's exactly right. There's no question that this is just incredibly politically motivated. Um, it is a targeting of transgender youth and it is a unilateral attempt by the governor and attorney general to change Texas law. You know, there were several bills targeting trans youth pending in the Texas legislature in the last term, including bills that would restrict access to gender affirming care. Those bills didn't pass. And when those bills didn't pass, Governor Abbott made it abundantly clear he was going to find a way to um, target trans youth. And that is exactly what he's done here. Texas uh, Republican candidate Shelley Luther, I believe she is um, running for office within Texas. She is someone who in early February said she was so conservative. And as part of her conservative bona fides, she noted how uncomfortable she was around transgender children and that it's not right that those who make fun of transgender children should be punished for doing, show, doing so. I mean, basically she's sanctioning bullying. All of this, of course, doesn't all of this deeply endanger transgender children and trans people in general? No question, no question. This is again, a politically motivated fear mongering and an attempt really to dehumanize who transgender people are. The reality is, that trans people exist. And all that this does is invite and encourage those who want to discriminate, those who want to exclude, those who want to deny equal rights to transgender people. It gives them an invitation um, to continue to do that. Um, and that's not, that's, not, that's not what our legal system is about. That's not what our, our entire you know, constitutional premise here is about. The, the irony of folks sort of hit, trying to portray this as, as, you know, somehow conservative 
is, is really fascinating because those are the same folks who are crying about parental rights. Um, you know, as you mentioned in the context of, you know, critical race theory um, or, you know, truth telling around around our history um, and wanting parents to have total control over school curricula and, and, and things like that. Well, there is no more private context than a parent's right to, to help their child access the medically necessary health care. The irony here of treating parents as though they're committing child abuse for seeking that recognized medically necessary care is also the reality that a parent who fails to seek medically necessary for their child can be held liable for neglect. Mm. So what, yeah. what the governor has done here and what the agency has done here in carrying out his directive is, is just to put these parents, these youth, and these providers in the worst of all possible positions. It's not sustainable under Texas law. I mean, it's just really terrifying to think about to think about the effect this is having on on parents and on children. But I want to pick up on what you were saying earlier about how it dehumanizes transgender people. I mean, there are um, constantly headlines of transgender people, in particular trans women, being murdered. And there was just a story recently of a transgender woman murdered in Houston. Um, she had fled gender violence in Latin America, and she was here in uh, the United States when she was murdered. I mean, this basically otherizes transgender people so deeply that it makes them targets for conservatives who think that folks shouldn't exist in themselves. Um, and by the way, Shelley Luther, this Texas State Senate a GOP candidate, also says she thinks that Chinese students should be banned from attending American universities. So I, I suppose racism and racial otherizing and, and dehumanizing goes hand in hand with the dehumanization of, of trans people. No question. And, you know, again, there's also this reality of, you know, attempting to strip these families of their children, which, you know, hopefully, thank goodness, is not something that happens overnight. But the end goal here, right, is either the inability of parents to seek appropriate care for their children, or those parents who do seek care for their children um, end up divested of their parental rights. The youth end up in the child welfare system, which, you know, is also failing trans youth on a regular basis. It, it really, it is absolutely otherizing. It is absolutely happening in a context that, you know, is targeting and um, dehumanizing trans people. Um, and, you know, th there's no question that the Texas government here is pulling out all the stops um, to continue to target trans people. Now, in um, addition in to, context. in addition to this, um directive, as we can call it, um, impacting child protective services. What do you make of the decision by Texas Children's Hospital to stop hormone therapies? Um, I imagine that the hospital is probably consulting with its counsel and what realizing that it's too dangerous right now to continue this. What, what, how do you respond to that? It's really deeply concerning. It's really deeply concerning on, on several levels. I mean, one, you know, the, the statement that 
that um, Texas Children's put out made clear that they were doing this because they were trying to protect their doctors from prosecution. Um, so there's no question this is a direct result of what Governor Abbott and the FPS have done here. Um, but the other reality is that um, they actually have an obligation under federal law not to discriminate in the provision oh. of health care on the basis of gender identity. And I was going to ask you how federal law plays into this, because that might be a last line of protection then. Sure. Um, but there, there's just this reality that, you know, this has placed care providers in a complete catch-22 where they are, you know, they are subject to prosecution on the one hand and subject to um, federal law on the other. And, you know, the bottom line is that these, these doctors, these care providers know that this is medically necessary care. That's why they have been providing it all along. That is why, um, you know, families have sought them out. They are the largest children's hospital in the country. And for them to feel like they had no choice but to put a stop to this care is, is just the clearest sign of the havoc that, that Governor Abbott and DFPS have, have wreaked here. The other reality is that this is just another harm to these kids. There are, aside from the, the gender dysphoria that is going to continue and be exacerbated for you who don't have access to this care anymore. There are also physical ramifications for kids who have had this care and having it interrupted. So at the end of the day, all of this just serves to harm Texas youth. Right. I mean, there could be kids and there very likely are children right now who are in the middle of having this treatment that they might have had to fight for or, you know, work to convince their parents to give them or their parents might have had to fight to find the money to afford or get the coverage needed. And uh, to see it being uh, interrupted uh, is, I can only imagine how heartbreaking and difficult this must be, you know, for, for, for the families involved. What is the recourse finally, Karen, for families, for children right now? I mean, you know, there are, um, for example, going back to the analogy with the abortion restrictions in Texas, those people who needed abortions um, found ways to get them, many of them did, probably not all, by going to other states and getting them. You know, abortion is a one-time procedure. Uh, are the only options for trans kids in Texas now to leave the state for, what, months and years on end or, or take trips, you know, every, every so often to continue their treatment? Well, that's certainly something that we've been hearing from families because they aren't sure what else they're going to do. But the fact of the matter is that's not a practical reality for many, if not most, families either because they cannot afford to leave the state to uproot their lives or because their jobs, their families are all rooted there. No one should have to leave their home to access medically necessary care. You know, the, the, there are two answers that I would give to folks who are, to families who are in this position. The, the first is that we are, we are continuing to fight. As I said, there's a hearing scheduled for Friday the 11th um, before the judge um, to consider issuing a temporary injunction um, that would put this directive on hold statewide. Um, so it is our hope that, that the court will be able to enjoin this and that folks will be able to continue to access the care that they need. But the second thing that I would say is that for families who are hearing from DFPS, 
um, that an investigation has begun in any way, shape, or form, we strongly, strongly invite them to be in touch with Lambda Legal's help desk so that we can connect them to counsel and provide them with resources as this state persecution continues. And give out a website for Lambda Legal then? LambdaLegal.org. That's L-A-M-B-D-A legal.org. And we'll post a link to that from our website. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the conversation. My guest has been Karen Lowy. She is senior counsel with Lambda Legal. I'm Sonali Kolhetkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.